Hello and welcome to the Super Rugby Round 8 Review Podcast. I'm Paul, the guy behind Driving Mall, a website, podcast, YouTube channel and Twitter account to bring you the best in, I don't know, you know, rugby stuff. Um, predictions and reviews is what it's supposed to be. Uh, and uh, yeah, don't forget to subscribe to your favourite podcast in the app, give us a five-star review, all of that lovely, lovely stuff. And if you're watching, uh, you can watch this 8pm every Monday night uh, and obviously hit the blue, hit the red button, blue button, no, red button down below. Um, to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Thanks a lot. Joining me this evening in blue um, is the man, <laughs> the man from the West End Massive, Ashwin. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing fine. I'm slowly adjusting to the change in daylight savings. Uh, hence, I can make an appearance at eight o'clock now instead of falling asleep before then. <laughs> <laughs> it is dark, isn't it? Yes, it's kind of like yep. okay. I need to get better lights because um, <laughs> I can't actually see anything in my living room at the moment. Uh, so. So we'll have to, yep, have to have to improve all of that kind of stuff. So, kicking off the weekend, we had a bit of a surprise, didn't we? Um, I mean, we were talking beforehand, saying basically that I got eight, uh, six out of six predictions right this weekend. And you're saying, yeah, it's because pretty much the results were as we expected, but within those results, there are a few uh, uh, surprises, and the Hurricanes only beating the Sharks by one point. That was uh, that was a bit of a shock, wasn't it? Absolutely a shock, and um, you know my my hobby horse, my bandwagon um, commentary in terms of con referee consistency came to the fore in that game. Um, in saying that, I felt that the Sharks had plenty of opportunities to have converted that game if they if they'd taken any chances. Yeah, also there was a late injury to Bowden Barrett, so he was a, a late injury withdrawal, uh, putting Ohio West in there. Which, let's be honest, both of us have seen Ohio West play a lot. And we're not overly uh, massive fans. Um, Andre reckons it wasn't a shock. Uh, but I know you're a, a Sharks fan, mate. But yeah. in all, yeah, the Sharks really, from from losing by a, a big margin to the Rebels, I think it was uh, three weekends ago, these last two weekends, they really have turned things around. And, and it looks like they've suddenly clicked at last. Yeah, that's that's you look at that um, early performance right through to about with about 15, 10, 15 minutes to go, and really they didn't look like they would lose it. They, they felt they the the play that they play that they were playing <laughs> really good England um, was it was dynamic. It's it's not just you know they're obviously using their big boppers up front, but they're using them effectively, and then they're actually creating something outside of them as well so get a bit of go forward from the forwards but I, I thought it's not just a fact of crash bash from the forwards it was a 15-man performance it was they don't they dominated the first half um they had 70 uh for 74 percent of the territory in the first half and um it was a game of two halves and for a game that wasn't for, for a game that wasn't impacted by the wind overly it was amazingly that yeah that they had 74 percent of the territory in the first half and then the Hurricanes had 73% of the territory in the second half. So it did seem to be they were playing on a pitch that, uh, that, that seemed to have a big slope on it heading one way. <laughs> I hadn't noticed, to tell you the truth. Um, but next time I'm down at McLean Park, I'll uh, take my protractor out there and see if there's a bit of a lean. <laughs> a bit of lords happening at uh, McLean Park. <laughs> you want to play downhill in the, in the second half. That's, that's when you're, when you're Absolutely. tired. Get the roll uh, of the ball happening. Um, yeah. Just, just is is interesting. I I felt that the um, sharks went away from what was working for them a bit in that second half. Um, whether they got a bit frustrated or 
what, but um, with what wasn't working for them. But they just it seemed like it. Um, they went away from those little inside balls and uh, handoffs that were happening quite well for them between the, the inside backs and the forwards in particular. Yeah, they, and they had a couple of problems with that second half. Uh, Booth was struggling with his, with his, uh, with his um, box kicks, got, uh, got charged down a couple of times, um, which, uh, which uh, I think, yeah, Booth, yeah, Booth is the one on the, it was the, the, the scrum half for the, for the Sharks, wasn't it? And they did butcher a couple of opportunities with the five, five meter scrum around the hour mark. And that to me was basically the turning point that that's when they could have shut the game down. But that's when they, uh, when they kind of, when, when the Canes managed to come back into yep. this one and yeah, eight minutes left, two point game. And suddenly and then you see them, they are poor kick chase allows, uh, Bosch to, to, to run it back and get a, get a try. And you think, oh, well, suddenly it's a two score game and it's all over. But yeah, the, the Canes really took their, took their opportunity and yeah. closed it out right at the death. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, the, the only, the only one that I'd sort of, is that when they were about eight points up and they were very unlucky to get a penalty against them, um, hard on the Hurricanes line, and uh, they gave away a penalty and inverted commas for holding on to the ball when I uh, can't remember who was over the ball. But I thought that was harsh because what constricted, if that's the right term, the um, Sharks players getting to that ball was the fact that Lani Malmapi was backing himself into the uh, Sharks side of the ruck, <laughs> which which should have been a penalty to the Sharks, if not a yellow card even, because he was absolutely interfering from about two, th- three or four metres out just backing, backing his uh, way into the ruck. And it's just like, and ironically, the Hurricanes get that penalty. That was one of the guilty opportunities that the Sharks sort of threw away. But as you said, they, they had around that hour mark um, about four opportunities, if not more, um, five metres out from the line, and they really didn't take the chance. If it was eight points ahead, they take that chance, I think it would have been game over. Yeah, and they did go on the wrong side of the ref. Uh, the, the Hurricanes only gave it five penalties to the 16 from the from the sharks and they also picked up a yellow card as well so they uh, but defenses were uh, for what was a high scoring game the tackling in this game was much better than we've seen in, in a few others uh, up, up in the sort of high 70s and, and uh, mid 80s and a couple of comments in the chat i was talking about the referee but you have to take I mean, as, as as andre says you have to take the referee out of the game uh, you can't referees do make mistakes but if you've got if you if you if you're five sixteen uh, against, unless you've got R- Romanian referees, you you've you've you've, you've 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 you haven't read the referee properly, and you've it's your own fault. I'm afraid. I absolutely absolutely hundred percent agree. And the fact that I think we allude to this again is the fact is that around that hour mark, the Sharks just had so many opportunities. We effectively one more try, the game's put away, and they didn't take the chance. And, and let's face it, the Hurricanes, we're talking about them being a championship side. They're going to be there at the end of the season. You get those opportunities, you have to take them. You, you know, they will, otherwise they'll do what they did, is that there are a championship side and championship sides play to the 80 minutes. They can convert that after the whistle win, so to speak. Yep. Uh, and Andre says, yeah, shows teams outside New Zealand can also play rugby. They can. And I'm really, I'm excited to see what the Sharks will do from here. Up until... Their game against the Blues, to be honest with you, I was yeah, I was very down on the Sharks, and I thought they were flat. They're, they're wasting the talent they have, but in these last two games, they really have clicked. And I think oh, I'm, so. I mean, I'm excited to see how they how they push on from here when they go home. 
Absolutely, because I thought that the style of rugby that they played on Friday night was absolutely, it was excellent. It, you know, it was good running rugby. It was, as I said, it wasn't just the forward, forwards bashing it forward. There was clever interchanges between the forwards and the backs, um, creating space and then, you know, sending the ball wide or making a break up the midfield and then, you know, um, finishing off from there. So now they're playing a very, all of a sudden they're playing a very good brand of rugby. You know, what excites me also is um, some of those players um, heading into a green jersey. Um, I'm, I'm going to get the names wrong, but obviously uh, Kerwin Bosch at the, at the back just looks fantastic. Um, and the fla- open side flanker, um, the blonde head guy with the dodgy moustache. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this was a round of some real, real bad facial. Uh, uh, Dupria. <laughs> Dup- yeah. Has he got um, a twin brother in there somewhere too? Yeah, his brother. Well, yeah, Priya is is the coach and also the the fly half and the open and the open fly. So, so yes, oh. the yeah the the, the the fly half and the the um and the open side flanker are, uh, yeah brothers and their dad coaches a team. Thankfully, they're playing well, so we don't have to talk about the fact that it's, that's, uh, <laughs> nepotism. That's nepotism. Uh, because yeah, they, they had a they they had some uh, they are both no, playing very yeah. well. Yeah, I mean, Dupree got through 15 tackles. He was a top tackler for the for, in the game, and he didn't miss any. Uh, he was, yeah, he was a machine around the park, definitely. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, looking forward to seeing them in green jumpers. <laughs> Early days, I know, but and it was I, I, it was nice to see Lamappy and Arso back together. Um, I know Proct, it's, it's a shame that Proct is injured, but that centre combination uh, did so much last year. I, I'm I'm happy to see it back together again. Uh, the boys are back in town. So that was that was I also I enjoyed that as well as as part of this. Also had a good game. Yeah. Over, um, uh, it's, it's, it's it's great to see um, Arso and Lamapi back together again because as you say they do I think they form a great combination. Um, I, you know, with, with what they did last year, um, be interesting to see if Barrett and TJ are um, out for the out. How the new sort of um, halves pairing goes. Because I think they get just so much go forward out of obviously both TJ and um, Bowden Barrett. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see the impact of them not being there. Yeah, they are going to need those guys back definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the same way, the Crusaders need Moanga back as well. So moving on, then then we moved up to Tokyo, where the Sunwolves predictably lost to uh, the Waratahs. Uh, Beal became the most capped uh, Waratah back of all time, overtaking Horn uh, in that one. And obviously, we had also Falau is out injured at the moment and deciding to put his uh, oar in around uh, the, 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 the whole homosexuality side of, side of things. So it was good that he wasn't there distracting from the game. And this was one where the commentators said the wind was a big factor. And we saw that the Sunwolves didn't kick in the first half at all, really. They were just trying to run it out the whole time. But it was amazing then to see that actually in the second half, the Tars started to kick and, and seemed to kick fine. So I'm not quite sure if the wind really was as good as, uh, as, as big a factor as, as was being made out. Yeah, I mean, we, we, uh, who was the commentators in the game? Was it our Australian f- friends? Uh, it was our Australian friends, yes. Yeah, so you always take any commentary for the Australian friends with a grain of salt. Sorry, Sean, if you're li- watching and listening. Um, but it is, it is just a factor of, obviously, they, they do talk up all aspects of the game. Um, I don't want anyone to talk about this game too much because 
as you said, the Waratahs won as expected. The Blues go and play them next week, so I don't want to say anything too much. <laughs> now, and, and the Swimmels did, did, do, did do some good stuff. Uh, they deliberately were trying to turn the the, 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 the Waratahs' backs with some uh, grubber kicks and, 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 that, and that kind of side of things. Uh, and, and with someone like Naravoro, who is fantastic going forwards once he's had a couple of strides with the ball, but he does turn like a tanker. Um, that's where I thought they would, they would be trying it, but it wasn't actually. It was the opposite wing, and Newsom was made an absolute hash of quite a few of, of those little kicks behind. So they did that well. The problem was, though, that the was the end execution by by the um, Sunwolves. Turnovers conceded, eighteen to five, and if you're going to be giving the ball away that much, even though the penalty count was was strongly in their favour, you're never you, you're never going to get anywhere because it just you, you can't apply pressure when you just keep giving up the ball. Uh, it's it's a it's a classic Japanese team scenario, isn't it? They actually play some brilliant rugby. The the offload kings they they throw the ball around, they run the ball around, but it's just the mistakes hurt them. Um, you know, on, on the day that they click, they will probably upset a team, probably the Blues next week. Um, but um, you know, the, the fact is that they just make far too many errors. You know, you just talked about turnovers; they kill you. Um, you've got to maintain the ball. You've got to protect the ball, and uh, they don't—they don't do that consistently enough. No, they don't. So yeah, so we'll move on from that one because, as I say, it was fairly predictable. And yeah, the the, the Sobels had plenty of play, but just yeah, just messed it up really. <laughs> the we then came on uh, to the uh, Chiefs versus Blues game down in Hamilton. Um, with uh, Jess, who will be on tomorrow night, was at the game with good, some good photos on on her Twitter handle of her at the game. So, but this one, I wasn't expecting it to be this close. To be to be brutally honest, not after, after the week before. before. Not after <laughs> the week. <laughs> no, no. Look, I mean, I, somebody I work with um, says that the Blues will never get beaten by a large margin. He's he always sort of down on the blues in terms of what they're. Um, oh, sorry, I mean in a, um, in a in a in a derby match. Sorry. So if they're playing a New Zealand team, you know all the teams lift when they play the derby teams. New Zealand teams lift for the New Zealand matches. Aussie teams for the Aussie matches. South African for the South African matches, etc. Um, and and so with those words ringing in my head constantly, it's just like, I thought that the Blues would lift. I didn't expect them to perform as well as they did and to, in fact, be leading the game, I think, until like about eight minutes left, five minutes left. And so um, they did a lot better. But, you know, you felt with the scrum starting to creak at about the um, 30 minute mark to go, sort of 30 minutes to go mark, 20 minutes to go mark, you saw writing on the wall that all the Chi Chui were struggling with. Um, they kept making silly little mistakes. Um, they could have probably um, run over the top of the Blues. Um, there was one in particular that I remember, Alamalu sort of making a break, and he's gone if he holds the ball and he drops it. So those little mistakes that they were making, which um, kept the Blues in the game and in the head. Um, but there was all that, always that feeling of inevitab inevitability that the Chiefs would um, come out on top unless they kept making the mistakes. Well, uh, yeah, but Perifetta, he, he showed us the, the good and the bad side of his play. Lovely break, great feet, but two restarts. One didn't go 10. The other one went dead into the end zone. I, I, that's just uh, basically un unforgivable at this kind of level. Uh, I, the other thing I actually pointed out this was I'm amazed how low scoring this game was. 
Um, and you talked about the Chiefs' mistakes. They made 16 clean breaks in this to the Blues, only four. 16 clean breaks, and they only scored 21 points? They really did. Uh, yeah. They really should have yeah. racked up some more. Yeah, yeah I think it's interesting. I wasn't aware that but you look, you take that stat into um, consideration, and it's just like shows up that the Chiefs really should have run away with that game um, by a long way. Yep. Then they just kept making errors. Yeah, exactly. They should have, they, they should have won by, by, by a long way. It, to be fair to the Blues, they did put up a very good defensive effort. Um, 169 tackles is a lot of work to do, uh, and have an 86% success rate. Is, uh, is yep. shows that they 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 really were working for this one, and that has been one yep. of the one of the question marks around some of those Blues players is, whilst they're great and fun to see running with the ball in hand, but will they actually put the effort in? And it was good to do see the hard yard do the hard yards in this game, uh, because yeah, it, it, as you say, they were leading this game all the way up until the seventy third minute, uh, where where they lost it to a penalty try, uh, and which basically came down to uh, discipline in the end, uh, because they did. Lose a player to the to 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 a yellow for repeat offences, and when you've only got thirty percent of the territory, which is what they had all game, you are going to give up uh, so penalties. That's what's going to happen. I don't think that Jack scrum try regardless. That scrum was back backwards, um, even with um, Josh Goodhue on the field. Um, might have just taken a bit longer for the Chiefs to get the way on to start getting the momentum forward, but I, I thought that they already started to have pressure. Um, the coming back to um, the thirty percent territory um, stat. I mean, they're good feet. He's got potential. He's a young lad, um, but both him and Bryn Gatlin kicking tactical kicking was poor. They never got the Blues out of that half in that second half. Um, a lot of halves in there. But um, but that was the key, actually. The Blues were holding on in there. The defence for a change was very good, but they just couldn't get out of that half, and that was down to basically Bryn Gatlin and Perifeta, poor tactical kicking, basically down the throat of um, a Chiefs defender. Also raised the fact is that one time from a scrum... They kicked directly to a, a winger who was back, and they had three players back. If there's three backs back for a kick, surely there's gaps in the defensive line off a scrum. So, yeah, it's, you know, things like that as well. Yeah, Bad we have reading. this. Uh, they, 23 kicks from hand by the Blues, uh, and I say most of them were out of the 22, and yet only nine lineouts to the Chiefs, which shows you yep. that a lot of those balls were staying in and allowing them well, to run straight back. Now, no, I, I, I don't have an issue with them not kicking it out, tell you, Paul, I tell you the truth, Paul, um, because the fact is that obviously the Chiefs were starting to set up rolling malls quite effectively as, as well at times. So you might not want to kick it out. The problem was is that they're actually kicking deep and straight to a Chiefs player. They weren't kicking to space even. if So if you're not kicking it out, you kick to space, and they weren't doing either of those at the end of the day. Um, and that's you know, and as I said, both Perifeta and Gatlin were guilty of that. And then you have Damian McKenzie going off injured. Marty McKenzie comes off and drops a kick straight into space and rolls it into the Blues twenty-two. You know, showing exactly what it should be done. Yes, uh, and it was interesting because they 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 reckoned that was a tact. They claimed it was a tactical substitution 
but uh, but Dmac was definitely limping when he went off. So I'm I'm not convinced by that. I think yeah that. Um, but yeah. around that half hour mark that we we, did, we lost Mawala off off to injury. We lost Kano went off to injury, and we lost Dmac as well. There was uh, that, that that half hour mark. So that definitely did disrupt yep. things for both teams. Um, interesting about the DMAC. So yeah, exactly. They, on TV, they're going on about a tactical substitution. He comes off and they put an ice on his thigh or calf or something. And then today on the radio, when I'm driving home, it's just like, oh, Damien McKenzie's doubtful this week because he's got a hip injury. So it was a tactical substitution to put ice on his calf for the injury. <laughs> so yes, yeah, so, no, he's definitely he was definitely off injured. So that's uh, and. So he's uh, Brent reckons Dmac's not playing this weekend. Yep. It's early in the week. We'll have to see uh, what 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 happens. But yeah, it sounds like he could do it. Do some time off anyway. He played a lot of rugby last year as well. You don't want him being being overplayed. Marcy McKenzie had a decent game. Uh, he's not the same player as his younger brother, but uh, he yeah he he did okay. And you say much more of a controlling tactical yep. thing than, than his younger brother. He's not going to be as exciting, but that's um, yeah that's what you're going to get out of him. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, don't know what, what else more we can add about that game apart from really it was sort of you're sitting there waiting for the inevitable to happen. Yep, and I had my well, my segue was all just set, which was the um, we followed that up with the with the Australian derby. But never mind. Um, yeah, <laughs> and you you went off in a different direction. Um, <laughs> so after this, we had the Brumbies versus the Reds uh, go um, and. Lots of people sort of end up to be getting a 50 cap, 50 cap. So Karevi got his 50th cap, as did Alatoa uh, and Rory Arnold from the Brumbies. So three players bringing up their, their 50 caps. And for a game, and they threw this one out early, early in the thing was apparently we had the 14th versus 15th um, attacking team in the competition in this game and the second versus third defensive team in the game, in this game. So both these teams supposedly defensively good at stopping points uh, and not very good at scoring them. And we end up with a forty-five twenty-one margin. That's a... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a bit of an oxymoron, if that's the right term. <laughs> um, interesting game this one for me because you know uh, I actually didn't start off watching this game. Um, I was still in a sort of state of nonplussed sort of feelings after a game before but um, um so i didn't start and then i was sort of following it on twitter and it's just like oh the reds are um or, or what i was expecting the reds to be quite doing quite well in this game and they were and uh, so i started watching it i think from the second half and the brumbies just basically rolled over the top of them did attack with the wind coming in from behind and ran them off their feet sort of thing just every time they got the ball they seemed to be able to make a break Absolutely, the the Reds were uh, dominated the possession and territory in the first half. And that's what it felt like, even though the stats aren't quite so damning. And but they just didn't take their points, and that was a real problem. Is that they, they didn't really take their points in that first half. They didn't. They uh, as as one of the one of the sort of commentators said, they're a central corridor game plan from the Reds, i.e., one out rugby, letting the, letting the letting their forwards grind it out, and that's really their kind of style. But the and they just whereas the Brumbies played much wider uh, and the, the, than that and also got that line out more going, which is such a tradition. David Pocock's back and surprise, surprise, they have a line out more that works, which is just 
Mind you, actually, I mean, I, I'm going to digress totally, but this is like one of the moments you, you've got all that forward power, and is I think that was probably sort of um broke the Reds down mentally was the driving wall. Is that it just seemed like every time the Brumbies had a line out throw, they were going to set up a rolling wall, and it always works for them. And I think mentally that played with the Reds a bit. But the moment for me was I think uh, one of the Arnold brothers. I'm going to say Rory makes the gets that offload, collects the offload, and he's running. He's looking around. To, who to pass the ball to, and I'm just going, run! The try line's there, just run! <laughs> and he did it. He did listen to me. Good to know he, yeah, they're listening to me. Absolutely, good boy. <laughs> just listen to, <laughs> listen to Uncle Ashwin. He knows me. <laughs> yes, but no, I mean, you know, coming back to your point, the, the Brumbies more, uh, mall, um, I think, it started to uh, dictate the game a bit. Um, and how it was, how it, how it, how it panned out. But again, um, some good inside balls working for the Brumbies as well for those breaks and round the rucks and malls for just one wide as opposed to right next to the ruck. Yep. And this, they also, it did switch in the second half, as you say. The wind helped the Brumbies to, to get the upper hand on that territory in possession and, and go ahead. But the, the one stat that I picked out that doesn't show up on, on my one, so I can't tell you what happened after half time, but at half time, gain line advantage for the Brumbies was 71% whereas only 41% for the Reds. And if, whilst the Reds had a great tackle percentage, 84% of the tackles they made, but if you're always getting knocked back over the gain line, it doesn't matter how many tackle, how, how good you are at tackling, that quick ball is going to turn into some form of points and some form of territory. And that's what really happened here, is that they just couldn't, in that first half, the Reds couldn't break the gain line, even though they had the ball more than the, more than the Brumbies. Whereas the Brumbies, as soon as they got it, Broke the game line and scored, and yep. that was that was kind of the big the big difference, which kept them kept them in the game in that first half because they should have been the Reds should have been out of sight to be honest. Yeah, absolutely, and it's just again comes back to mental aspects of the game, and the fact is that I've got all this ball, but I can't penetrate the defensive line. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And you sort of just run out of ideas, and they can. It affects your mojo in the game, and um, the other team gets the ball, and they seem to be able to break you at will. That's all uh, I have to say about that. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that's so the the, the Brumbies uh, have have yeah, returned to style, and uh, yeah, it's uh, and, and I expect to see pretty much a similar similar game plan from them whilst they've still got both got there to organise it. We then head over to South Africa, where the Lions. Uh, had come off the back of four poor results or poor poor performances at least, uh, and uh, to play the Stormers, who had a perfect record at home and a perfect record away of losing every single game, which they maintained for this one as well. The Storm, uh, lot, I mean, this is the only one I've seen only uh, highlights for, to be honest. Whereas the other ones I've seen, uh, I've watched every other game in full. But in this one, the it, it was all over in that in the first twelve minutes, three tries. <laughs> Uh, three tries, a hat-trick in, in 12 minutes, and I've gone blank as to the player. But that basically set, set that basically meant that 19-0 after 12 minutes, it was a game gone. Yeah, surprising result, isn't it? I mean, the Stormers seem to be, after the, getting the uh, New Zealand League of the Tour away, um, dealing to the Blues at home, and seemed to get a bit of a roll on. You expected that um, things were going to start looking good for the Stormers, um, especially with the Lions on a downhill slide. Um, all of a sudden, the Lions turn up, the Stormers don't, and uh, easy win to the Lions. And 
I, I think it highlights uh, this is a good good game to highlight the fact is that apart from say a couple of teams maybe you know possibly if you don't turn up then you can any team can beat any team within the Super Rugby competition you have to turn up and play the game you do uh, Tambawi is the guy that we're, that, that I'm referring to eight runs for 122 meters four clean breaks and six defenders beaten crazy <laughs> And I think he did that all in the first 12 minutes. Um, <laughs> you can have a rest now. <laughs> Done your job. Have oranges. Um, and sorry, so the half the halftime score uh, was 31-10. And yet, if we looked at the possession stats in that first half, 27% uh, possessions for the Reds, 73% uh, possession for the Stormers, and they're 31-10 down. The there there was yeah it's, so there were some crazy stats in this game. Um, it comes back to the same as the Reds Brumbies game, isn't it? It's that mental thing. It's the fact is that I've got all this ball, I'm not getting anywhere, and as soon as the opposition makes one breaks, all those de demons come into your head. Um, you know about what can I do? Uh, have I got the ability to be able to beat them? All these mind games start playing. You, you start playing it in your own head and. Uh, it's top level sports all about the top two inches and you you know you get into that space in your head very difficult to come back yeah you're right and it probably was came down to the two moments Khaleesi makes a great break down the blind side off a ruck and they score a try but it gets called back for a knock on uh, and that's just before half time then suddenly the 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 Lions get a rare attack forwards um they release Smith, Kaga Smith, who goes over, and what could have been 24-17 turns into 31-10. And yeah. it's it's those kind of flips that that that, that happen here. Kaga and Smith, it's the mentally and it's the mentally strong teams that can get up from that, you know. And you look at your championship sides. Um, obviously your Crusaders are there, the Hurricanes of recent years, and and obviously the Lions have built quite a bit of a um sort of mental willpower so to speak in the last couple of years as well so you know that winning games experience helps big time when it comes down to the mental side of the game it is and Quagger Smith's one of the guys we've been we've, we've been saying looks tired isn't the player that he that he can be uh, in this game he got that try also put in 22 tackles um, in that game the other player I want to call out is uh, D Smith the prop got taken off on the hour mark but managed 18 tackles in that hour only missing one so, you know, it's interesting though, but you know, crazy, isn't it? Crazy. You've just highlighted the hour mark. This magical hour mark when props just absolutely die. They did. You have to get the the midi cab out there and put them on there and wheel them off. I just think it's absolutely ridiculous and crazy um, that they keep doing that with props. Obviously, they've got stats and all the. But when you're watching a game, you're seeing a guy put that effort in until he starts to sort of look like he's falling off the pace of the game, why would you take him off if he's playing well? Just I don't get but it. But it really, again, you're right. The, there's definitely stats behind it, because it, it, it but it does look like rote, uh, rote substitutions that are yep. pre-planned, which is not a great, not a great look. No. Um, so, yep, so the, the Lions get their season back on track uh, and are basically are, are still are looking favourites for that conference um, now after all that and then the final game of the round 
Haguares 14, Crusaders 40. Uh, pretty much uh, another one that could have, as we expected, I think. Absolutely. Um, uh, you, I mean, you, I think um, you've got a team like the Haguares who we've seen in the last few weeks of, um, I think that was it the Lions that they beat at home, um, etc. But the fact is that they're, they're another team that will make mistakes and you can't make mistakes against the Crusaders side because they'll punish you, they'll hold on to the ball, they won't give it to you. They mean like that. Um, and, and you know, you can't give them the opportunities. If you want to beat the Crusaders, you have to be a more consistent side. And teams like the Hagiwaris, and, you know, you lump them with the Sunwolves, different kettle of fish, but still it's about that consistency in your play. And um, you look good, but if you drop as soon as you can't drop the ball, that's the key. Yeah, and the, the Crusaders managed to keep the Hagarais to zero points in the first half. Um, they had their opportunities, but the, the Crusaders just kept them out. Uh, the Crusaders yeah, tackling 85% for the 143 tackles. The Hagarais only had to make 72 tackles, but only made 67% of them. So they missed more tackles, I think it is, even though, or maybe they missed about the same number of tackles, but the Crusaders had to make twice as many. And you're right, it's that, it's, it's that mistakes thing. Turnovers conceded, 21 by the Haguaris, 15 by the Crusaders. And if you're turning the ball over 21 times, then you're in trouble. So There's that cliche thing about, you know, oh, the Crusaders strike off, off turnover ball. I don't actually subscribe to that um, theory. But one thing that they do do is definitely turn over the ball. They'll hold on to it. They'll hold on to it for phases. And if they hold on to enough phases, which they generally do, they score points. Well, they, 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 their attacks did come. So in, cross, the, the first try came off a crossy break from a turnover. The second try was an intercept from Bridge, who goes who ran back all the way. Don't um, make a liar out of me. The... <laughs> <laughs> um, and then there was, another, there was a charge down that got uh, the, uh, the the hags were hagarais were, were pressuring away. It gets hacked downfield, and um, Crossy got to go over. And so the hagarais did get back into this at fourteen twenty four, but they then spent the next ten minutes attacking the the, the Crusaders line. Didn't uh, the Crusaders got to, to, turned it over, kicked it downfield, and scored from a charge down? He's like, okay, that's it. It's uh, it's Crusaders, not your day. The Crusaders have it for like for, 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 for 20 seconds and they score. You've had it for 10 minutes and you didn't score. That's really what kind of turned it in the end. Interesting. The last four games were very similar then in that regard. You had a team that had a bit of ball but just couldn't penetrate that defence um, and turn it over or the other team gets the ball back and they're able to break that line. Yep, absolutely. And it's the other thing we saw in this game that actually was was some good, uh, was some good coach coach analysis as well. Uh, apparently, the Hagiwaras uh, kick the hand, kick the ball from hand the fewest of anybody in Super Rugby. So what the Crusaders do, all their restarts deep into the twenty-two because they know the Hagiwaras aren't going to kick it. They're going to try and run it back. So hey, if you're going to try and run it back, let's try and make you run it back from as far as possible. Uh, and yep. so those sort of those, those sort of things were um, were very evident in this. The, the, yeah, Razor. Uh, Maybe has a reputation for him not being the sharpest tool in the box sometimes, but actually his uh, his 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 coaching style is about picking those things up. Because well, all he has to do is have a rugby brain. 
And yes, the rugby coach, all he needs is a rugby bone. He doesn't need to know how to run a corporate empire. <laughs> Very true. Uh, and it's, it's interesting that the Crusaders coming into this were bottom three on clean breaks, bottom three on defenders beating and all that kind of stuff. And yet they're still getting the results um, and winning it, uh, winning the game. So, so my comments were correct apart from this game. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear. Um, so looking at the, the, the table then, the Lions are still top on 25 points uh, and uh, are, are now a good 12 points clear of the Stormers, um, which is, uh, so that's that's a big lead that they have down there. The Hurricanes are on uh, second in their division on 23 points with the Crusaders on 24 points now, but I think they've played one less game. Uh, and the yeah, Chiefs... that's what confused me actually when I heard this week. And this is like, oh, Crusaders on top. This is like, I thought the Hurricanes were on top, and they have only lost one game. So how did that happen? So that explains it. Thanks, Paul. Um, <laughs> uh, with the Chiefs on twenty-one points, so that's all very tight there. Highlanders, Blues, uh, uh, much further back, uh, and then over in Australia, we've got the Rebels on twenty points, the Tars on nineteen, and uh, the Reds and Brumbies uh, on on fourteen and thirteen points. So the Brumbies on 14, the Reds on 13. So there, it's, we are starting to see how things are panning out. Lions as expected, Crusaders and Hurricanes as expected, but the Chiefs are doing better than I think quite a few of us thought they would do. Um, the Rebels surprising us all uh, with the, the, the Tars getting themselves into the uh, playoff pitch. Because I think, uh, I think a few of us had the Tars down as perhaps being the most settled side in Australia and therefore they should do the best over there. Mm. Any... Final comments? Um, no, I, I think we sort of like as as we sort of um, discussed before we actually went live. It's just like it was a it was an um, around that I think we knew the results beforehand. There were a few surprises in the tightness of some of the results, but other than that, I think the results went to what we expected. Yeah, I think the only one that was a fifty fifty call was the Brumbies versus the Reds. Uh, and we saw that, yeah, the Brumbies clicked in, in, in one facet of the game, and that was enough to see them, see them over the line at home. All the other ones were, yeah, if, if you look on the various prediction leagues, there were 80 to 90% people were successful with those ones. So, Ashwin, why don't you let everyone know where they can get hold of you during the week to talk rugby and New Zealand politics and all that kind of stuff? Uh, you can find me at NZFetso on Twitter, and I'll see you there. Cool. Uh, I'm Paul, the guy behind Driving Mall. Uh, always up for good rugby, rugby chats. Comments down below or at Driving Mall on Twitter. Uh, obviously, subscribe on your favorite podcasting app, five-star reviews, all of that kind of lovely stuff. Hit the red box down below or my face there on the recording to subscribe to the YouTube channel. There's a box there, my latest video. Uh, yeah, it's all the normal stuff you've heard me say over and over again because you are such wonderful people. So why don't you actually go down there below and find that newsletter link, click on that, so you get an email once a week telling you all of my stuff and enjoy whatever rugby you're watching.